right, get your Bibles out if you would, please. Last week we started a new series that we are calling Just One. And last week we started looking at this passage in Luke chapter 14, actually chapter 15, which is where Jesus was telling the different parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. And I think most of the time when you read these parables or when you hear about these parables, the emphasis is placed on the fact that we are the ones who are lost and that God relentlessly pursues us. And that's obviously absolutely true. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God will never, ever give up on you. And no matter where you are in life, God will continually to pursue you. He's not going to give up on you. And that's really important for you to understand. But there's more to these parables than just that. Because these parables also show us the love and the relentless pursuit that we're to have on those who do not yet know Jesus. And that's what um, Pastor Brent was talking about last week, that we are to be those ones that reach out to just that one person that God brings into our life. The problem, though, when you think about it statistically, is that 95% of Christians have never personally led someone else to Jesus. 95%. Think about that, because I think that should bother us. But this morning, I want to talk to you about the reasons why I think this doesn't bother most of us. And the first reason is, number one, we just have a lack of awareness. We have a lack of awareness. It's kind of like those videos that maybe you've seen on, online, or uh, sometimes they'll use them in commercials and stuff, where people are so busy texting and doing things on their computer while they're walking, they're, they're oblivious to their surroundings. You, you, you've seen that before then on, on, on different things? I have a video clip just to kind of remind you of this. Well, watch this video here. Now, how many of you be honest and say that was you? You do that, some of you do that, you walk in Texas at the same time. I think it's funny, but when you think about this, I think we actually do this in life. Not so much with our phones and texting. I mean, you may do that, which is not healthy for you, but I think we tend to approach life that way because I think so many of us kind of bury our heads in our own worlds and what we're dealing with. And the end result, then, is that we become totally oblivious to those who are around us. As a matter of fact, I think for so many of us, people become just scenery in our lives. Think about that. And I don't know how this is for you, but I feel like I'm completely guilty of this. Because I tend to have a very driven personality, and when I go to the store, if I go to HEB, I have my list of things that I need to get, and my whole objective is to get in and get out as quickly as possible. Anybody else like that out there? And so, so when, when I go, I can, and I went to HEB yesterday, and I, please forgive me if you saw me, because I wasn't personal at all, but I just can get so tunnel vision with it that I'm completely unaware of the people who are in the aisles or the checkout counters or or, um, you know, even in, in the parking, I'll, I'll never forget something when I was in Wisconsin, 
uh, I was, uh, went to the grocery store and I was shopping and did just exactly that, had my list and got in and got out. And as I was walking with my groceries um, in my cart um, to my car, out of my periphery, I saw this woman who was crying and standing outside of her car. Now, remember, if when you're in this mode, people become scenery. So it didn't really dawn on me what it was that I was seeing. So I continued just to plow my way forward, get all my groceries in, in my car, and uh, proceed just to go ahead and leave and head, head home. But, but as I was driving home, the Holy Spirit arrested my attention and brought back to memory that scenery that I had actually seen and brought back to memory that, that woman who was crying and standing outside of her car. And so it convicted me so much that I stopped and I turned around and I came back and drove um, to where she, her car was. And sure enough, she was still standing there crying outside. And so I got out and began talking with her. And to find out that she had locked her cars in the car, but that really wasn't the emotional aspect. It was just the, the straw that brought both the camels back because she, her husband had left her earlier that week. She was going through a lot of financial difficulty. And so this moment where she had lo um, locked her keys in her car, it just, it just tripped all those things. And she felt completely alone in life. And so I just began just to talk with her and share with her and, and listen to her and cry. She had already crawled AAA, and so they were on the way. And so I just became one of those shoulders for her to cry on and to be able to express God's love for her that she wasn't alone. And I think about that for you and, and for me, too, of how many opportunities we miss because we're completely unaware of the people who are around us. Look at this in Luke chapter 15. Starting in verse 4, it says this, There once was a shepherd with a hundred lambs, but one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. So the shepherd left the ninety-nine lambs out in the open field and searched in the wilderness for that one lost lamb. He didn't stop until he finally found it. Now, I want you to notice the shepherd's behavior. Because the shepherd became aware that one of his sheep was gone. Now, when you're dealing with 99 sheep, I don't know if any of you deal with cattle or grew up with cattle or sheep or animals. I mean, 99 is a lot. And so he had, but he had this awareness that one was missing. And that, what, that awareness then compelled him to action. Listen, folks, awareness is such a huge issue when it comes to you and to me addressing this issue of reaching out to those who are around us, actually sharing our story with those who do not yet know Jesus. And the only way that I know of, personally know of, that counteracts this, this lack of awareness is by spending time with God. That's the only thing I know that counteracts this kind of drivenness, tunneled vision thing in me is that I have to have this continual conversation with God. And so when I wake up in the morning as I'm getting ready to go to work, I need to engage this conversation with God because when I step on into my car and I start driving on Highway 71, Lord help me. I need to have this conversation with God. Otherwise, I, all, all I see are these crazy erratic vehicles that are driving in the left lane, disobeying the law of Texas that says that the left lane is only there for passing. And I, all I see are these cars, 
and I will not, and I will not recognize there are actually people in those cars. There's actually human beings in there who have an eternal destination. I'll be completely oblivious to the fact that something's going on in those person's life, and I'll just get mad and, and do all sorts of crazy things back to pack to them. And so I have to have this continual conversation with God as I'm driving Highway 71, and not just that. I got to keep doing it as I go through appointments and meetings and. Especially when I go, go shopping, I have to go get some stuff done. Because if I, don't, if I don't do this, then I'll fall back into my normal mode, which is just all about me and getting my stuff done. And people just become scenery in my life. I'm completely oblivious to them. And in Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says this in verse 9. He says, love sincerely, hate evil, hold on to what is good. Be devoted to each other like a loving family. Excel, excel in showing respect for each other. Don't be lazy in showing your devotion. Use your energy to serve the Lord. Be happy in your confidence. I love that. Be happy in your confidence. There's a song out there right now um, by King Country called, um, called Joy. Have you heard that on the radio? Uh, it's one, probably my favorite song on the radio right now. I, I love the words to it. Got to get that fire, fire back in my bones before my heart, heart turns into stone. How many of you know that to be true? We need God's fire to touch our hearts because our hearts like to get callous. They, they like to get hard in here. So we need God's fire working in, in, in our lives. And the, verse, the words can continue to go on. It says, the time has come to make a choice, and I choose joy. I think it's just a fabulous song. The words are, are fantastic. And so the Apostle Paul is saying in verse 12, be happy in your confidence. In other words, choose joy. Choose joy in the midst of what you're going through. Be patient in trouble. And then what? Pray continually. Pray continually. See, folks, the more you turn your day into this continual conversation with God, the more you'll be able to hear and respond to His voice and promptings in your life. And then the more you'll be aware of the people that he brings in and out of your life. So that's number one. Number two, the second reason why our lack of reaching out to those who don't know Jesus doesn't bother us. Number two, we're too busy. <laughs> we're too busy. Or at least we think we're too busy. It's interesting because the truth about our busyness is that you're probably not as busy as you think you are. Statistically speaking, on average, Americans today have more free time than previous generations. And those of you who are parents, you're spending more time with your kids than the generation before you, 40 years ago, parents spending time with kids. You're actually spending more time with your kids than in previous generations, despite this overwhelming feeling that you're just not doing enough. And so the question becomes, well, then why do I have all these feelings of business? Why do I feel so busy? Well, the answer is kind of interesting because the answer is in how we experience time in our minds. Think about it this way, because why does time fly by so quickly when you're having a good time? But when you're standing in line at the DMV, that time feels interminable then. You know what I'm talking about here? When you're having fun, I mean, time just speeds by, but you know, when you're doing something that's more drudgery, it just seems like it goes on forever. Well, a guy by the name of Niels F. Schott from Johns Hopkins University, he says it this way, 
He says there's a distinction between objective time, which you can measure, and subjective time, which is experiential. And then he goes on to explain that humans enjoy being busy when a task is fulfilling, but can feel weighted when a task feels obligatory or when we feel pulled in two directions. There's a difference between want and should. And then he says this. He said, you have to be intentional in carving out the time you want for the things that you want. And so we're talking about this, this series, Just One, reaching out to one person that's in your life as a friend or a neighbor, a co-worker, a classmate, reaching out and sharing Jesus with them. But the reality is, if we're ever going to reach out to those who don't know Jesus, then this has to move from something that's obligatory to something that's actually of value, to something that's actually worthwhile. When you look at Luke chapter 15, the shepherd saw that one lost sheep as valuable and worthy of his search. That woman with that one lost coin saw that one lost coin as something that was valuable and then worthy of her search. That father with the lost son saw that lost son as someone who was valuable and then worthy of not giving up on him. And the only way that I know of that counters this perception of busyness, that counters this obligatory feeling of reaching out to those who don't know Jesus, the only way that I know that counters that is by spending time with God and allowing God's heart for others to permeate our cold and calloused hearts. That we need to let the Holy Spirit work inside of our hearts because our hearts easily get cold and calloused very quickly. Would you say these words out loud with me? Say this after me. God, break my heart. Say it out loud. God, break my heart for the things that break your heart. Let's say it all together. God, break my heart for the things that break your heart. Now say it as if you mean it. God, break my heart for the things that break your heart. I think this is something that we have to pray continuously, time and time and time again. Because if God doesn't do this, I think it's impossible for us to really love people the way God loves them. Because every single day of our lives, we're surrounded with the enormity of the problems and difficulty that we hear and see about in a, on a worldwide basis. And so we need to allow God to continue to have access to our hearts because our hearts want to get callous. Our hearts want to get hardened. Didn't you remember a guy by the name of George Bernard Shaw? He was a guy in the late 1800s and early 1900s. He was a famous author and philosopher and playwright. He's also an atheist. But he said this. He said, the worst sin towards our fellow creatures is not to hate them, but to be indifferent to them. That's the essence of inhumanity. As much as I totally disagree with his stance on God, I fully agree with this statement here. The worst sin towards our fellow creatures is not to hate them, but to be indifferent to them. And so for our hearts to turn from indifference and obligation to, to something where our hearts are actually for people and we, we have a heart for those who are lost and who do not know Jesus. For that to happen, we need to continue to allow God to break our hearts, 
to work in our hearts those things that break his, his heart. And that's the second thing. So the third reason here, number three, the third reason why our lack of reaching out to those who don't know Jesus doesn't bother us. Number three, we have improper perception. We have improper perception. In other words, we think that people don't really want to hear our God story. We have this kind of this thinking that, that we'll, we'll be cramming God down at people's throats or we'll be that, you know, that quote-unquote Christian you know, in, in their life, which is a bad thing. But interestingly enough, statistically speaking, that's actually completely wrong. A few years ago, LifeWay Research conducted a survey of 15,000 adults for the North American Mission Board to try to determine which of the 13 different approaches is best received when a church wants to be heard. And the research showed that the best received means of seeing new people walk into one's church, surprisingly enough, is by personal invitation. Personal invitation is the number one way that people respond to hearing about God. Here's the stats. 67% of Americans say a personal invitation from a family member would be very or somewhat effective in getting them to visit a church. 67%. 63% of Americans say that a personal invitation from a friend or a neighbor would be very or somewhat effective in getting them to visit a church. And 63% of Americans are very or somewhat willing to receive information about a local congregation or faith community from a family member. And 56% of Americans are very or somewhat willing to receive information about a local congregation or faith community from a friend or a, a neighbor. In other words, the vast majority of the people who are in your life, your neighbors, your family members, your coworkers, your classmates, the vast majority of people are actually completely open and receptive to you telling them, sharing your God story with them. The issue is authenticity. Do you hear me? The issue is authenticity, being authentic. That's something that's real for you that you're just sharing than your story. Look at this in Luke chapter 15, verse 17. It says, humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing, and then he thought, there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back home to my father's house and I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. But please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the young son set off for home from a long distance away. His father saw him coming dressed as a beggar. And great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. Listen to this. Because improper perception, what it does is that it will keep you at distance from other people. Your improper perception will keep you at distance from other people. For the lost son, his improper perception of his father kept him for a long time from going home, even though his life was completely miserable. But his improper perception kept him from taking that, that, that step. For the father, his, the father's improper perception of his son kept him from thinking that the son actually um, wanted to come home. That, that, that his improper perception was that the son really didn't want him. And so if the son 
hadn't come to his senses, if the son hadn't take, taken the risk to come home, both their improper perception of each other would have kept them separated probably for their entire lives. But it was improper perception that kept them at distance. And so the only way that I know of that counters this improper perception that can get into us is to actually pray specifically for the people that God lays on your heart. To pray for them by name. To take time every day to pray for these people that God highlights. You pray for them by name. You're asking the Holy Spirit to work in their life. You're asking that God would stir the bit of eternity in their hearts. The thing that God put inside of every single human being. The part that knows there's something bigger than this. That God would stir that eternity in their heart. And that the, the Holy Spirit would come as that spirit of adoption and begin to draw them. And they begin to feel and experience the vanity of life. Just as the son did. So that you could come to your senses and say, there's got to be something more. That you actually pray specifically by name for those people. Because when you do that, something begins to stir inside of your heart. You begin, you begin to counter this issue of improper perception that will keep you at distance from them. And then here's the last one. Number four. The fourth reason why our lack of reaching out to those who don't know Jesus doesn't bother us. Number four. We're not convinced of Jesus. We're not actually convinced of Jesus. Now I realize I may just have offended a bunch of you here because you're here. You're in church. We just sang songs about Jesus. You're listening to stories about Jesus. And so you're thinking, Pastor, what, what do you mean? I'm convinced about Jesus. Well, I want you to think about it this way. Because about 10 years ago, my parents gave me these metal bracelets. And um, they have these magnets in them that are supposed to make your body feel better. Or somehow they, they make your nerves line up and straighten out or whatever. And, and so um, my, my mom convinced me that this would be good for me. I, I've had a lot of accidents with this body, a lot of, a lot of things. And so, and so I'm, I'm thinking anything that will help me feel just a little bit better, I'll, I'll wear these things. So I've worn these for 10 years. Now here's the thing. I don't really know if they work. I don't really know if they work, but here's my thinking. If my body feels this bad now with these on, what would, they, what would it feel like if I take these off? And so I'm afraid to take them off. I'm afraid of what my body will feel like if I don't have these on. I'm not convinced they're really, they really work, and I think we, a lot of us, we wear Jesus this way. Somebody convinced us that Jesus would be good for you, and so you want to make sure you have him. And, we're, we're, and so maybe you're afraid of eternity, afraid of heaven and hell. You're not really convinced of it, but in case this is right, in case this is real, in case this, you know, I want to make sure I, have, I, I wear Jesus around. I want to make sure I keep Jesus close because I'm afraid of eternity. I'm afraid of what might happen if he's not there in my life. Some of us, that's our approach to God. You're not really convinced of Jesus. Now contrast that to those of you um, who are involved with organizations called like Advocare and Plexus and, and CBD Oil and all sorts of organizations that are like that have different products. The reason why you use those products, the reason why you love those products, and the reason why you champion those products all over social media and to anybody who will give you an ounce of time 
The reason why you do that is because you've personally experienced that these products have really helped you. And so that then compels you, because you're convinced they work, because you've experienced them for yourself, because you're convinced, and it compels you to share that with everybody you come in contact with. When I was in college, my, my dad got diagnosed with uh, um, adult-onset diabetes and struggled with that with a bunch of years, and he finally got connected with an organization uh, and products from a company called Evolve, and he started taking all these different products from Evolve, and, and uh, it drastically began to change his body. So much so that probably saved his life. It's definitely lengthened his life, increased the quality um, of his life. So much so now, he's completely off of insulin. That's how much these products have helped him. So if you meet my parents, and they'll come from time to time down here, you give them just a little bit, an ounce of time, and they're going to start talking to you about Evolve. Why? Because my dad's life has been drastically changed by these products, and so he cannot help himself, my mom cannot help himself, and they'll talk your ears off about these products because they're convinced of them, and it compels them to action. I want you to look at this, and I want you to think about this in terms of how then you interact with Jesus. Look at this in in Luke chapter 15, verse 21. It says, And the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be, the father interrupted and said, son, you're home now. Turning to his servants, the father said, quick, bring me the best robe, your very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring me the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger and bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate for this beloved son of mine, was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he is found, and everyone celebrated with overwhelming joy. I want you to notice this here, because the father was absolutely convinced that what he had to offer his son at home was far greater than anything his son had experienced out in the world and anything that the world offered him. Listen, you and I need to be absolutely convinced that what God has to offer you is far greater than anything that the world has to offer you. Anything that you experience in the world, what God has to offer you is far greater than that. And not only that, but you need to be absolutely convinced that what God has to offer your family members and your neighbors and your coworkers and your classmates that what God has to offer them is far greater than anything they've ever experienced out in the world. We have to be absolutely convinced of that. And that's why it's so imperative that every single one of us taste and experience more of God. No matter how much you've tasted and experienced in the past, we need to continue to taste and experience more of God. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see the Lord again. Now, I want you to notice what this verse doesn't say. It doesn't say, know and understand that the Lord is good. It doesn't say, study and research to discover if God is good. That's not what it says. What does it say? Taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see is what? It's experiential. It's something that you are doing. It's not a knowledge thing. It's experiential. One of, my, one of my most favorite foods in this world are pies. 
I absolutely love pie. I could care less for cake and cookies, but pie I love. I had, I had a mom and I had grandparents, grandmas, and great aunts who would make pies all the time. And so it's just, it's part of my makeup is I just love pies. But I don't like pies from the store because only pies I grew up on were homemade pies. And there's nothing like a homemade pie. And my favorite pies are, are in, in all in the realm of cream pies. So this is a banana cream pie. Probably my favorite cream pie. I love coconut cream pie. I like chocolate cream pie. I love all cream pies. But this one, so my wife didn't know how to cook at all when we got married. But because she loves me so much, she learned very quickly how to make pies. And it's one of the greatest love things that she does for me. She baked this one for me yesterday. And it's all from scratch. There's nothing bought from it. It's all from scratch. And so what I love about cream pies is, number one, it's cream. Mm. I mean, it's, there is something about a, a fresh cream pie that there's nothing else like it. You have, so, and the reason why I don't like pies from the store is because they're, they're fake. They put fake banana flavor in it. There's none of this. This is all real bananas in here. And not only that, it has this graham cracker crust on it. So you have the creaminess, you have the creaminess of, the, of all the vanilla cream and the cream in it and the bananas, but then it has that graham cracker crust that's on the bottom that's just absolutely fantastic. Any of you like, any of you like banana cream pies? Any of you? Really? Uh, only a couple of you like banana cream pies? Well, I'll let you have this one. Here you go. Lisa, you were the... Unashamedly said she was excited for banana cream pie. It's all yours. It's all yours. And I didn't use... I, this is my fork, so I didn't... You have your own, you have your own fork there. What do you think? Isn't it good? <laughs> it is so good, yes. Yeah, where else can you go to get a, a, a banana cream pie when you come to church, right? <clears throat> here's, what I want you, here's what I want you to notice, though. Me telling you and describing to you what a banana cream pie tastes like doesn't compare to what Lisa's experiencing right now. It's one thing to hear the words and to talk about it. It's a whole other thing to taste and see and experience for yourself. That's what makes the difference in our lives. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses was realizing this. And he has this conversation with God. In verse 14, it says, The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I'll give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you and know you by name. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh. 
before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. Listen, folks, that should be the same in terms of our approach with God. That it's this personal encountering of God where you taste and see his glorious presence for yourself. That's what will distinguish you amongst all people of the world. That's what distinguishes Christianity from every religion in the world because Christianity actually isn't a religion. Christianity is this relationship with God. Religions are attempts to get to God, where Jesus came to us, and now we have this access to God, where we interact with God, which means you can know God personally. You can hear his voice. You can actually feel and experience him, him, him. and without this type of direct encountering of God, then all that Christianity is, all this thing that we did here this morning, singing songs and, and talking and having this, is nothing more than a club, no different than a Lions Club or some other club that you would go to to participate in, and it has its own list of do's and don'ts, and if you don't abide by them, you might get kicked out and being, being a member. That's what Christianity becomes if you don't encounter Jesus for yourself. But I'm telling you something, when you experience God for yourself, it changes everything. It changes every aspect of your life. Your whole way of thinking is altered. How you handle situations and you encounter difficult people and difficult situations, it changes everything. And because you've encountered his glorious presence that Moses was talking about, you, you can't help then to share that with other people. Because now you're convinced. You're convinced because you've tasted and seen, you've experienced it for yourself, and now that you're convinced, it compels you to action. If you're not compelled to action, you're not convinced, and the reason why you're not convinced is because you haven't tasted and seen for yourself the goodness of God. If you would, I want you to close your eyes here as we begin to finish here, because maybe you're here today. And you're realizing that maybe for you, all that you have of God is just knowledge. That all you have about him is just maybe information about him. But you've never really encountered his presence for yourself. You've never really tasted and seen God for yourself. You've heard people talk about it. and You know information, but you haven't really tasted and seen. You haven't really experienced it. For yourself, and maybe you're realizing right here in this moment that that's, that's been missing. Maybe for some of you here today, you have tasted and seen God in the past. But maybe you're realizing today that, that you've become dried up, that you're living on past experiences instead of current right now experiences with God. And so What's happening is that everything you're doing with God has just become obligatory. You're just kind of going through the motions of Christianity, and it feels dry. It's what kind of keeps you away because it's not, it's not real. It's not current for you. As I was praying about this service, I felt like God wanted to ignite something inside of each of us here today. It's like that, that song said, got to get that fire, fire back into my bones before my heart, my heart turns into stone. Maybe for some of you, you're realizing that's what's going on with your heart. Your heart's just becoming calloused. 
It's just getting hard. But maybe here today you're something stirring inside of you. Because I believe God wants to do this for you today. That God wants to stir that in. He wants to encounter you today. And even in this moment right here, right now. And I, as even as we began this service here this afternoon, I, I already felt just the, the presence of God just stirring as if he was walking through the rows and down the aisles and just shining his light and coming around you. I could already feel that he was really doing something in every one of our lives, that there was something that he was, was wanting to do in you specifically. And so I believe this is, this is something that, that God had in mind for you, that he actually set this appointment for you here today. And so you know, how many of you would say, you know, yes, Pastor, I, that's exactly what I need. I need to experience more of God. I need to taste and see more of God's presence and workings in my life. I, I, I want to experience more. If that's you, would you, with every eyes closed, just, just raise your hand, because this is not about anything other than just saying, I, Jesus, I, I want more of you. Whether you've experienced him in the past, but you're realizing that you need more, whether you've never encountered him, and you're realizing all you have is information, just, just put your hand up. That's just, that's just between you and God. Because I, I believe his, his very presence is coming and wanting to engage you. If there's more, there's, you're saying, I want more. I want to experience more. I'm telling you, he wants to encounter you even here in this moment. Father, we invite you Holy Spirit, we invite you here in this moment. We don't want to just have information about you. We don't just want to have knowledge about you, but we want to taste and see who you are, your goodness. Because God, without your presence, without your glorious presence, as Moses said, there's nothing that distinguishes us. There's nothing that's different than any club that we would go to, but God, it's your presence. This is why Jesus came, so that we could know that we could see, that we could experience, that we could hear you, that we could connect with you. And so we just all across the room, we just invite you. We invite you into this moment, into our lives. The worship team is just kind of lead us here in this last kind of worship element. And we have communion set up on either side here in front of your sections. And, and uh, we're going to kind of do this together. And I'm going to ask the prayer team just to kind of be on either side of the, of the communion elements. And, and what we're going to do is that we're going to do this kind of in an orderly way where you're going to start in the front row and you're going to um, leave out your right side, take a, come up here and take a piece of bread and dip in the juice. And then the prayer team... It's just going to be right there along the sides. And, and so I need the prayer team just to kind of scrunch up together just a little bit because what I want them to do is that I want them to release something in you. And so when you go through this, they're, they're not going to spend five minutes praying over you about your situations. They're just going to put their hands on you and release. 
So you're just going to walk through, and they're just going to put their hands on, just release just more of the presence of God and, and just kind of speak that over. And you're just going to kind of walk by them and then go back into your seat and then just have this moment of whatever God is, what he wants to do there in you. And so let's, let's do this here together. Let's start here in the front rows. So, Father, all across this room, Father, I pray for just a release into every one of these men and women, every young person in here. God, that you would break through the hardness and the callousness of every heart. God, that you would break our hearts for the things that break your heart. God, that you would stir in us a new fire. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you already for the encounters that are happening in this moment. I thank you for the continual encounters that will come as people walk out of this room and as they're driving home, as they, as they go through this week. God, that you would release dreams and even visions into their worlds. God, that they would hear your voice clearly. And Lord, that you would arrest their attentions. God, that they would have a new vision. They would have, they would have a, a, a new purpose. And God, that you would just surround them and grab a hold of them and pull them tightly to yourself. And so, Father, I just release your glorious, magnificent, amazing presence into everyone here. I'm grateful, God, that you don't withhold it. And I'm grateful, Father, that it's your presence that distinguishes us. And so, Father, I pray, God, that we would even leave here today not just convinced but compelled to action. That, God, that you would stir that fire in us. If you would, just stand to your feet here. Let me just speak this blessing over you here as we finish. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless you.